this a metal thing? Yes. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk Plus. That's right, folks. We've now transcended genre boundaries and sometimes cover other movies. We're a place for horror movie lovers, but the plus tells you we also welcome genre curious and genre allies. So make sure you rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Full video available on YouTube. Don't be a square. Be sure to square. Share. Be sure to square. Share. Also, check out uh, patreon.com slash horrormovietalk, the equivalent of the adult section at your video rental store. If you want to add your voice to the community, go to horrormovietalk.com or call 682-253-4468 and leave us a voicemail. As always, we have Fart Simpson crammed into the production booth. I'm Bryce Hansen, and island boy David Day is unfortunately sick today with raccoon pox. So today we have a special guest, Jordan Wilson. Uh, say hi, Jordan. Hi, everyone. My name is Jordan. Uh, do I say anything about myself first? Um, you could. Uh, Jordan is a co-worker, now former co-worker. Um, R.I.P. At, at my place of business, and she's always been a champion of the podcast within... <laughs> ability um not that anyone cares but uh she's a horror movie lover too and we um we chat uh on slack frequently about horror movies and horror movie recommendations and she's listened to the show so i'm glad to have ron what bryce isn't saying is that i forced him to be my friend and give me movie recommendations in every single one of our one-on-ones so. it's it's true yeah she's uh i'm i'm dead inside when i'm at work and uh she is one of those that that uh brought me out of my shell and asked for me to be a friend and i oblige happily yeah so i'm bummed out to see that jordan just is moving on to another company so i i uh jumped at the opportunity to get her on the podcast so i could at least talk to her one last time uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming back <laughs> This is just the first podcast, so we'll see how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're looking for uh, for guests, and you know, this is your audition, so don't fuck it up. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what's your uh, horror background, Jordan? What what's your like favorite horror movies? What got you into the genre? Uh, how early did your parents traumatize you? Um. I have been a horror fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, actually, I was two years old and my parents came into the living room and I was like six inches away from the TV screen watching Jaws with like a blanket wrapped around me and they were worried about the drama. <laughs> but uh, after that, it, it was hooked. Um, the adrenaline, the just the storytelling, um, my granny actually was who kind of uh helped me blossom this love of horror like i remember vividly watching um 
Leprechaun with her when I was like a small, small child. And Leprechaun, very, very corny, but also very terrifying for a young child to watch. Um, but ever since, ever since I was a little, little kid, my parents didn't really give me uh, boundaries on movies to watch. They let me watch whatever I wanted to. I did tell my dental hygienist that I saw Blade when I was, I don't know, eight or nine. And she like <laughs> approached my mom and was like, I just want you to know that she said she watched Blade and my mom was like, oh my gosh. But, uh, my mom knew. <laughs> <laughs> but lifelong Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those my terrible favorite. influences. I got to see who she's hanging out with now. <laughs> and my parents aren't really horror fans. Like, my dad would watch some with me, um, but mostly my granny Linda. She loved them. And now she doesn't watch them, which is, like, really sad for me because I vividly remember watching so many horror films with her. Every Halloween, instead of going trick-or-treating, she'd make me chili and I'd hand out candy and we'd watch scary <laughs> movies together. Um, and... I would say my favorite of all time um, is John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, big fan of Michael Myers, the original Boogeyman, uh, which is a nice segue here. Uh -oh. And um, yeah, just really love um, most scary movies. I mean, even the bad ones, there's something I can find that I appreciate about them. More recent ones, I like I like The Witch uh, or Witch and... Um, you know, those those newer kind of indie Babadook was another really good one, which kind of reminded me of, of Boogeyman as well. That's awesome. So are you a fan of all the Halloween movies or just the original? The original, uh, the second one in the hospital is also a banger. Um, again, I can find something that I like about all of them. I think the newer ones... Um, Gosh, I, had, I don't even know what they're called. Halloween. You have to help the, me out, Bryce. What was the most recent Yeah, one? whatever. The 2020s ones. They're okay. Like, I like to see Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's more nostalgic than anything, but nothing really beats the original The original yeah. two. Actually, I think the second one I like better than the first one. Um, something about the hospital, and I feel like the, mm -hmm. the, the gore's a little better uh, in the second one. But, um, yeah, Halloween three threw me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we've, we've learned since the beginning of the podcast that, that Halloween fans are a different breed and they <laughs> uh, are staunchly defensive of any, anyone that, uh, criticizes the Halloween series or, yeah. or Michael Myers. Um, we found that out very quickly. Um, <laughs> So I'm I'm surprised that you're not insane because that's been our experience for any big Halloween fans. I, honestly, I'm a person that loves nostalgia, and that was one of the first ones I watched with my granny Linda. Um, that's yeah, and I think that's a big part of it, like why I have such fond memories <laughs> of Michael Myers, just watching it with yeah. granny and you know being scared out of my mind. So top five horror movies. Number one, Halloween. Number one's uh, probably Halloween 2. Number okay. two, ha Halloween, the original. Um, mm -hmm. The Witch is number three. Big fan. 
Uh, I really like Hereditary a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as well as... Damn, I should have prepared for this. Midsommar. I have to say Midsommar. You know, I went back yeah. and forth, but I like the folk horror uh, a lot. It, it's more real. And that's that's just a cult movie. And uh, the cult right. movies as well are really appealing to me. I think because, like, I'm so... I think I would be an easy target for a cult, you know, having a commune. Uh, so it's just, it's good to like educate myself and be able to recognize those signs. Oh, uh, that's, you know, it, it, the fact that you recognize that you're an easy target for a cult means you're not an easy target for a cult. That's what I, I keep telling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to be um, aware. You got to be ready. Yeah. Whenever people love you a lot and sh- shower you with with praise and make you feel like you belong, like run. <laughs> run the other way. You don't belong. You're not good. You <laughs> Just remind yourself that. I do every day. Um <laughs> Okay, well, thanks for coming on, Jordan. Uh, we got a great show today. We're going to be reviewing The Boogeyman, the new release that's a Stephen King adaptation of a short story. Uh, we'll start out by giving a brief review on our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. After we give the score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, it's in theaters. Um, you can listen up to the point where we give the score and bounce until after you see it and come back for the spoiler section. Um, so the boogeyman is in theaters now and will probably make its way to Hulu in a couple of months. I found out that it was originally planned on being a straight to streaming movie and then audience reactions, uh, were good. So they put it on a theatrical release. Um, so what it's about is, uh, while psychiatrist Will Harper played by Chris Messina and his two daughters, Sadie and Sawyer, are getting over the death of their mother, or wife and mother. Uh, he is visited by Lester Billings, a disturbed patient who that insists on talking about the death of his three children to an unseen presence. Before Will can help him, Lester commits suicide in one of Will's closets. Sawyer then begins to be tormented by a presence lurking in the shadows and the closets and crevices of their home. At first, Sadie doesn't believe Sawyer, but eventually experiences things herself. As Sadie investigates the background of Lester Billings, she finds out that he that the monster is none other than the Boogeyman. Wacky hijinks ensue. Uh, this is an adaptation of Stephen of a Stephen King short story of the same name, which amounts to a little more than a campfire story set in a psychiatrist's office. Uh, there really isn't much to work with, and the movie ends up being kind of a one-trick pony. Um, the director, Rob Savage, you might recognize from the found footage films host and dash cam of the last three years. I think host came out in 2020, right in the midst of, uh, uh, COVID, uh, both of which I liked a lot. Uh, Savage foregoes the gimmickry of found footage and shoots this movie like any other big budget conjuring esque horror movie. It's a bit like if Carrot talked performed stand-up without props he'd do just okay um he's got the experience it's just when you get rid of your crutch that you've used for a while it's it's a little shaky um 
it's just all right. You get exactly what you'd expect about a movie about the boogeyman. It's just a vehicle for jump scares and dread. Uh, I might be jaded, uh, but this is, to me, a cookie-cutter, family-based horror film that's been done hundreds of times before and done a lot better. And this is like, I mean, some of my favorite movies are like the family-based haunting movies like so the exorcist poltergeist um movies like that where it has the core of the family um life and interaction and drama and then they're set upon by an evil force it's like it's tried and true i love it but i love the movies that do it well so much better than this one (laughs) this one's just okay um i give it a five out of ten, and um, mostly, I would have. I almost gave it a four out of ten, but it won me over with the ending. I was like, okay, you did a little thing there. That's that's okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just an average horror movie. What did you think, Jordan? We're gonna fight, Bryce. <laughs> I'm giving it a ten. I loved it. Now. I have to give you some context. Uh-oh. Also, a huge Stephen King fan. Uh, I reread the the Boogeyman, the short story this week, um, and the movie is way different. And honestly, I read the read it, and I was like, "How are they going to make? How are they going to make a feature film out of this?" <laughs> um, because it, but I, I do want to plug. I know this isn't the horror short story podcast, but I do want to plug reading that story because it's super short, only like eight or nine pages. And it's Mm -hmm. really, really disturbing and good. Um, Movie was way different. I didn't watch any of the trailers. Wanted to go in kind of, kind of blind. Actually, you asked me to be on this podcast and I was like, I didn't even know they were making a movie. (laughs) Um, But you know, one thing to call out, like, it's PG-13. So I I knew going into the theater, it wasn't going to be, like, Michael Myers-type slasher, gore, etc. Um, but I really appreciated just the emotion, the underlying emotion and story. Uh, and I love a coming-of-age film. And just, I have to give it that high of a score because I'm not always accustomed to seeing horror films with such incredible acting the actors the cast did such a good job here i i could feel the pain um and and sophie and her in the way that she portrayed being a grieving teen that lost her mother and and i just you could feel it um so i have to give it 10 i we can talk about it more but i really loved it a 10 out of 10 wow high praise yeah, I mean the acting. The acting was good. I I don't find any any fault with the acting. Um, I, I just think it didn't it didn't really d- delve into some of that psychological stuff as much as I would have liked, or sure. didn't really develop the the premise of the monster that much. It's just a, it's very tropey. Um, so it's totally like, get that. Kind of like I've seen it. I've seen it before. I knew what to expect and um, it just didn't surprise me, you know, that, I guess yeah. that's what it comes down to. And maybe it's because um, I've read the book uh, or read the story before. Um, so I was a little surprised of how they adapted it to be a film. Um, so maybe I should have went in blind, but 
the, I hear what you're saying because the story is a lot more like, is this guy crazy or is there an actual boogeyman? Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the the short story in the in the spoiler section because yeah, I have some I have some things to say about that too. Um, nice. And I think there's there's a little bit of um, missed opportunity there in terms of like character and tone that they just decided to forego um for whatever reason but um yeah okay so uh i I was just gonna say (laughs) i know what you're talking about and now i'm thinking like maybe i should give it a nine because i think that we wanted the same thing (laughs) (laughs) right right Okay, uh, speaking of uh, things that you want or don't want, uh, if you're listening to commercials, you sh- should know that you don't have to. If you go to our Patreon and and uh, subscribe to a certain level, you get early access to episodes without commercials. Um, you can also support the show by going to our shop at horrormovietalk.com slash shop. Buy logo tees. You can buy shirts like this, Team Spear. I don't know if you're up on the... Uh, team spear versus team bat debate jordan what what so we'll talk about that in spoilers um also check out our resident artist dustin gobel he's a professional artist uh who fucks hard he also takes commissions for artwork from hmt fans contact him at dgobel 0 on instagram and make your artistic dreams come true uh, if you want to talk to us and leave us a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. Thanks again. Let's get into spoilers. Okay, so let's talk about the short story first, because I, I read it before going in. Um, it is really short. You can find it in um the night what was it night watch or night i I forgot what it is the night the night fuck (laughs) night shift shift, it's a collection of short stories from stephen king um yeah and so i'll give you like the rundown of of the the short story itself so um the part where sorry i already forgot the name so lesser billings is a patient who comes into psychiatrist will harper's office and he um comes in desperate to tell uh his story of how he lost his three kids and all from mysterious circumstances and totally not his fault. Um, and I think the important thing about the story is he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> That's kind of missing from the movie is that he's, I think they specifically say he's an alcoholic, but definitely like kind of a rough dude that does not really have a lot of nurturing uh, within him. And he's very much like the kids got to toughen up. So when they start crying in their in their cribs and say they they need mommy and daddy, you leave them, and uh, then they die because of the boogeyman. And um, he basically goes through the story of the three and 
and the psychiatrist is not really able to help him and then it caps off with like the the psychiatrist gets killed by the boogeyman in the very end and or is the boogeyman it was a little unclear but the important thing is the tone was very dark (laughs) lester was kind of a piece of shit and it's also like you don't really know if he was the one that killed him or not like it's it it gives you enough to to question it until the the end of the story um but yeah it's it's very very dark uh feeling and and feels like very much like a Stephen King story with a unlikable character um and the important thing is it's kind of a precursor to it like it it was really setting the stage for um having the unseen force be a representation of just fear in general like that's that's what i got out of it is like oh he's he kind of filled this out and and like perfected this with it later um what was your impression of the short story i loved it (laughs) uh i keep saying that I, i i love a lot of these things um but truly i was disturbed reading it um and i think when I was in the theater watching the movie, I was like, Lester came in and I was like, oh shit. Like, cause I was worried of how they were going to portray him because one thing from that story, they would talk about how he'd pause and smile real big. And I was thinking of the movie smile, you know, that really unnerving, just like creepy ass smile. And they didn't do any of that with, with Lester in the movie. And I do think that they're, was something that could have been explored there. Um, it kind of a, I mean, I still kind of wondered like, okay, did this guy kill his kids or is there really something supernatural going? But that could have been an even stronger, um, inclination if they would have leaned into the, the character details that they did in the short story. Um, but yeah, the ending, it's like, you think you have it figured out. The guy's just crazy. And uh, then it's like, oh, the psychiatrist is dead. So. Right. Yeah. And I think they, in the movie, they kind of, they ruined that because they, it seemed like they had a little bit of an inkling to give you doubt of whether the story that this, that Lesser told was real or not, but they already, this is like a beef I have with, with horror movies sometimes, like the prologue ruins the this the first act because it's like okay you already know that there's a monster and it's really an evil force you know as opposed to like who knows what it is like are are they imagining it or not um so like the prologue in this is just literally one of lester's kids getting murdered and you see like blood splatter on a picture so there's and you see like this this creepy goopy hand of the boogeyman on the crib so um at any point where they try to make it like is it lester you're like well obviously not unless he has like a swamp thing hand um so yeah kind of a missed opportunity there i wish they would have slow rolled it a little more um but it's you know do you you think that's the way they did it though because it was originally going to be a streamer like not go to the theater i i think about the start of horror movies especially ones that go direct to streaming um they have to do something quick because if 
if I don't like it, I'm turning it off. Yeah. Um, so I, I was just yeah. thinking about that as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's a trade off. Like you either get the hook in early and and get people excited about the the prologue and and keep them on, or you slow roll it and like really front load the the drama. Um, I mean, there's plenty of horror movies where the prologue is infinitely more interesting than the rest of the movie. Like, um, what was it Ghost Ship? comes to oh, mind yeah. the opening have you ever seen ghost ship bryce i've given uh, you beef about your your rating of ghost ship i think or maybe no it wasn't yeah maybe it was I yeah remember. i didn't like ghost boat um <laughs> it, i mean the opening was great it was like that that's the problem it has like it has one of the best prologues of any horror movie and then it just can't live up to it for the rest of the film um and you know, there's other examples, but this is one of those where it's like, ah, you kind of shot your shot a little too early um, with this one. And it just would have served the story more if they would have added more doubt and had like, I think they should, because in the movie that the scene with Lester is like just barely a scene. Like he's just in and out and he commits suicide immediately, uh, which like seems like if you're going to base it on that short story, you could have stretched it out had a couple of therapy sessions added more doubt and kind of built it around that um therapy relationship and then still had all the family stuff but sure. um they didn't go that route it was it was very much like incidental um basically use lester as um as the introduction of the concept and then the rest of the movie developed it um but it's a really really interesting concept like in terms of like losing kids especially like they mentioned sids i think in the short story and in the movie which is like it's not only just uh, playing on the fears of kids of you know what lurks in the shadows but the fears of parents of like your your baby can just die randomly for no for no reason and they just have a name for that it's like yeah sudden infant death syndrome like not a lot of explanation. It's just your your kid died. Sorry, bro. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's so terrifying. Which is terrifying. And yeah, at, like as a mother, I think that's why this story is so scary. And my my kids are older, uh, eight and twelve, so I don't have like the the SIDS kind of anxiety anymore. But I used to go into the bedroom and just like feel their back, make sure they're still, <laughs> and it's, it's terrifying. And, and it's something that like most parents have had that fear, that same fear. Yeah. Um, so the movie starts out with that, with that scene with the, with the baby in the crib and you hear the monster, um, speaking to it from the closet in the voice of its father saying, it's me, daddy. Um, which is super disturbing. Um, and then it goes to um, Sawyer and kind of has a mirror scene with her, you know, worried about the darkness in the closet. She kicks the, like, uh, the light up moon next to my face right here. Oh, nice. Into the closet and, and doesn't see anything. Um, 
so the the family is is overcoming or like working through the death of their mother um while this happens and um you know a lot of like the the fear and the stuff is is blamed on on that uh conveniently um by will who's a psychiatrist psychiatrist a psychologist i'm not sure it's clear i've never seen him prescribe anything so maybe he's just a psychologist um so they're working through things it's mostly um like the main character is really sadie uh played by sophie thatcher and uh she does a really good job she goes back to school um gets picked on by some mean girls that are supposedly her friends um i don't know how that works what jordan can you explain to me what is up with girls and their friends yeah no in in high school in high school and in middle school like girls are mean girls are very mean and i think i i don't know where it comes from honestly um maybe not having parents that build them up and give them confidence so they don't have to tear down the confidence of others i i don't know but that scene or several scenes actually where her quote-unquote friends were just fucking brutal man <laughs> like right. you know she's wearing her mom's one of her mother's dresses and they notice and they are like why would you do why, why do you think that's a good idea like you don't want to scare people and it's just like okay these these people are also kids but i think um the blonde's name was like natalie or something i don't i don't know but i just wanted to smack her so bad it was so <laughs> hard to watch as a parent that has two girls and i'm like Whew. i mean i made a 12 year old cry in volleyball season this year so we've definitely had oh yeah you, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tell that story we're just dealing with a bully man and um honestly <laughs> I don't want to go too far into it because I don't want uh, this to get back to the parents, but it did not go well. And it was funny because we were at a volleyball game and okay, wait, let me back up. I went to a practice to pick up my kid early and I'm like watching through the window and I just see this little shit just being brutal. Just they're at practice and anytime my kid would mess up, she'd run over and scream in her face. Just like what the fuck? And so I went in, talked to coach, said, you need to do something. Um, and the next game, nothing was really done. And the next game, this hmm. kid had the nerve to come up to me and bring me something. And I was like, hey, so-and-so, are your parents here? And she immediately was deer in the headlights, just like, uh, yeah. And I was like, can you point them out to me? And uh, you know, you know me, Bryce, I'm obnoxious and, and like, super smiley and there was not a hint of conflict in my voice in my tone and she pointed them out and i looked at them and i looked back to her and she's sobbing and i'm like okay you know what you did <laughs> so yeah it turned into a whole thing had to talk to mom mom was it was very clear to me that mom is part of the problem like mm. uh, yeah yeah just very defensive very deflective um 
could not get on the same page. And I told her, I was like, look, I'm sorry I made your kid cry. Um, I, so you only made her cry just from asking about where her parents were. She, yeah. You didn't even like put a finger in her chest and be like, listen, you little shit. <laughs> nothing. Nothing, nothing. And and you know me, like I am not a, a, a person who thrives on conflict. Like I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was rough. Um, but you know what? That next practice, that same kid was teaching my kid how to make her serve better. And she was warming up with her in the next game. Mm -hmm. And just sometimes they just need a little nudge and to remember Mm -hmm. that mom does not fuck around. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. girls are brutal. Girls are are brutal. It's, It's so weird, like comparing teenage boys... Teenage boys can be pretty brutal too, but it's usually like physically and just like um, kind of uh, like kind of brutal teasing. Like you'll you'll like if you're if you're with your friends, they'll be like pretty brutal with calling you out and like making fun of you. But it's it's much more like surface level. I think right. I think you don't get much much further than just like appearances or like choices or just being you know um <laughs> well I can't talk it I was I was I grew up in the you know the 90s and so the things that we said to each other as, as boys you can't say anymore but you know a lot of accusations about lifestyle choices um and as far as girls like they cut to the core of like you cry (laughs) yeah and i i've witnessed it from afar and that's the one thing that i've i've had from having a daughter is i'm terrified of when she turns 13 because i just remember like 13 year old girls to you know 25 i guess are just the meanest most brutal, insane creatures that I've experienced in my life. Okay. Um, just a lot of feelings. You just got to lean into it. That's it. Just hear them out. And take a take a lesson from, what what was dad's name? Will, Will Harper? Yeah, Will. Yeah. Listen to your kids. <laughs> right. Otherwise, the boogeyman's going to come take, get them. <laughs> right. Um... So the the thing that that Lester sets up most importantly is this quote of it's the thing that comes for your kids when you're not paying attention. So that's kind of the premise of the movie of like yeah and and kind of the theme is that Will is just not addressing the kids' needs throughout this movie. Um like when Sadie comes to him kind of asking him about the day that their mother died or her feelings about it he's like yeah yeah you should probably talk to your therapist about this stuff (laughs) like just very much like putting it off um which is is crazy because you know if you're a psychologist you should probably have the tools to uh handle this but you know there's that cliche of like yeah (laughs) there's that cliche of like yeah, the the people whose profession it is, like the you know the handyman's house is always the the worst in worst disrepair, and 
kind of same thing with psychiatrists. Some, some kind of, sometimes they're the, the most disturbed people. Um, so that's going on. Um, uh, Sadie is like really struggling. She's like looking up seance YouTube videos and, and really missing her mom. Um, and you know, looking for like, you know, feeling the presence of a lost loved one. Um, I know I've had that, um, desire. Like, that's what's so frustrating. Like I grew up pretty religious and there's all these stories of people peering after death and like coming back to their loved ones. And I just lost my dad. He never came back. (laughs) He's just gone. And, uh, and to a certain extent of like, even if, I mean, knowing my dad, I don't take it as proof of anything one way or the other because I'm pretty sure that my dad just wouldn't care enough to come back anyways. <laughs> He'd be like, "Yeah, it's kind of a hassle. They they're fine. They like stuff like when we go, we went like a year afterwards and like my mom cleaned up his his gravestone and like left flowers and I'm like dad wouldn't give a shit about any of this like he doesn't he doesn't care about what his gravestone looks like if he still if he still exists in some sphere outside of here like he doesn't give two shits about his gravestone he's not super sentimental it's more Um, about us right but yeah i mean have you like it's say again it's more about the family to have that gravestone and like tribute and honor right you know, it, it's definitely more about us in my, in my mind, anyway. Speaking, I I told you about Granny Linda. Like, she does not want to be put in the ground. She does not want to be cremated. She's like, can you just stuff me and put me in a corner? shoot shoot her out of a cannon? <laughs> no, she okay. she, wants, she wants to be taxidermied. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's She's pretty gonna good. She's gonna kill me if she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you ever had that? Have you, have you lost a loved one? Have you ever felt the presence of someone or had any weird experiences around that? I, I haven't too many times. I I lost my grandpa, Butch, um, my papa Butch. I used to call him papa bitch when I was little and couldn't say his name. (laughs) Um, and actually he called me the week before he passed and I was a freshman or sophomore in high school and I was at practice and I ignored it and didn't, didn't answer. And, um, so later on that week, like we had some issues with the lights. Like I, I would remember I turned off the bathroom light or the bedroom light and then I go back and it was on and I was like, what the fuck? is someone, is someone messing with me? And my mom swears it's Papa Butch. He's, he's just mad. You didn't answer the phone. So, uh, more of those light type things, but, uh, this is probably me just leaving the light on. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I take the staunch you know stance of like the X Files. I want to believe. Like I I I want something to that like that to happen to me and and have kind of that reassurance or even just that doubt. But I just no matter how much I want to see a ghost or how much I want to like feel the presence of my grandparents or my dad, like it's just not happening for me. Maybe I'm just too cynical. Dude, yeah, I don't think it's family, but I definitely I'm in the I'm in the 
club that wants to believe for sure. And I lived in a historic apartment when I lived in Jefferson City, Missouri. And it was like less than a half mile from the old state pen, um, which is now like a ghost tour. There were so many, so many deaths there. And it was right along the Missouri River. And actually my landlord <laughs> came to me one night and um, told me like, I need you to know that there is a ghost in your apartment and she's playing with Ellie and Ellie's my, my oldest daughter and Ellie didn't talk until she was two and a half. She had some, some hearing issues. Uh, we got them all cleared up and, and, but she would go into her bedroom and just talk, 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 talk. Like it, it sounded like she was having a conversation and I was like, maybe it's just, you know, the isolation and, and like, feeling like she can say things, uh, without people around. Uh, but that, that was a weird experience. That's my closest like paranormal experience. And who knows if it was real or if the landlord had a friend that he wanted to move in or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, even, even that age, like that's, there's lots of stories of that too. Just like kids being creepy as fuck. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm talking to the person in the in the corner, Daddy, and you're like, yeah. shit. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm still waiting on it. Um, uh, rest assured, if if I die, like I'm gonna haunt the fuck out of everyone I know. Just gonna be like pushing shit off of the of the counter, turning on lights, you know, opening doors. You're gonna be like a cat in the after afterlife, just <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the off. secret. Everyone turns into a cat in the afterlife. You know, there it is. <laughs> We've cracked the code. Um. Um. So there's a couple like kind of set, um, uh, kind of unique scenes. Um. So Sadie and Sawyer after like Sawyer has been like um accosted by the boogeyman a couple times and no one believes her uh they go to the therapist and they're talking about it and they just chalk it up to being afraid of the dark and so there's the scene with the flashing red light (laughs) that turns off and on um to get her acclimated to the dark and does the actual uh absolute opposite of what they want because the boogeyman comes and attacks her um Lots of lots of little moments like that throughout. I mean, again, I, I, I said it's a one-trick pony, and that's kind of everything that the movie has. Is like you put them in a dark corner and wait for the boogeyman to kind of show up um, the, to the point where I can't even really tell whether it's night or day a lot of the time. <laughs> like sometimes they go down into the basement, and it seems like the light is still shining through the windows, and you're like, this house just needs to be so dark for this movie to work that they can't ever have it feel like daytime ever. Um, and like kind of the, the trope of they establish that to be safe from the boogeyman, you got to stay in the light. It's it's afraid of the light. So stay in the light. Um, and even with that knowledge, no one ever turns on any lights (laughs) because why would you? So frustrating. I mean that's that's very tropey, but I mean it's it's what you got to do for it to work. Um, it 
eventually Sadie does a little investigating around Lester Billings and finds his his uh, widow in their old broken down house. Um, and and Mrs. Billings gives like the exposition dump of the movie, which is like the boogeyman latches on. I mean, she names it the boogeyman. Um, and also it says that it latches on to the hurt and vulnerable and doesn't let go. And it needs the dark to stay hidden. Um, and then gives like the, probably my favorite unintentionally funny lines of the movie, which is fire is the first thing men use to, to see at night. Like, yeah, (laughs) thanks. Thanks for establishing that in the movie. Like we would have never known (laughs) that fire gives light at night. Like what, what a weird, what a weird line. Um, I think she was trying to establish. And the house is like. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I I think she was trying to establish like as long as there was light, there was darkness, and this thing could be that old, mm. like from the beginning. Because I think the next line was something about like the age of this monster. Right. Or that's what I interpreted yeah, it as. But it's... yeah, hearing it, it was like <laughs> not very hard hitting, you know. <laughs> You know, nothing quite quenches your thrust, your thirst like water. You know, water's really good at quenching thirst. Thank you. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> Since the beginning of time, people have used water to drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so this house is very much like... Another weird thing is the, the Billings house shows this weird like fungal growth is what i call it around the house like the dark vines like the the veins and stuff and it doesn't really establish anything or explain it other than like yeah that seems cool and spooky let's use that um you've seen seen that in in kind of like the the last of us and and some other movies use like just anonymous dark stains throughout a uh, house to communicate something something's dark here something something's not right i interpreted that as like you know we saw the like swampy hand of the boogeyman and Uh like the way i imagine a boogeyman is like this gross like like a booger you know (laughs) like just this nasty like swampy kind of Lemmy looking thing and so Mm -hmm. in my mind like if it's there there's that extra moisture you're gonna have a mold issue (laughs) Mm, that's true this goes back to like the uh, the latent fear that the ring also played on which is uh the scariest thing to adults is water damage like that's the most frightening thing in this movie for me is like ooh water damage and black mold like it's really gonna hurt the resale value i'm gonna have to call out a contractor and pay him thousands of dollars to splay to spray water watered down bleach on my walls for a treatment you know it's terrible and also not good for the the allergies Uh, 
just right. <laughs> right. What's I mean? It's it's a toss up. What is more threatening to children, black mold or the boogeyman? You know, who can say? Um. So Sadie kind of writes off um, Lester's widow, and um. And they move on. The movie just kind of follows the the conjuring, which is like at it just ramps up the more and more opportunities for for jump scares. Um, I like you know it's it, since it's a Stephen King adaptation. Um, there's a couple things that are kind of interesting. Uh, since this was written before it, like I I really think it's like a, a kind of a precursor, and he kind of perfects that concept of just using the unseen and the latent fear as the monster itself. Um, there's the scene where Sadie is going down to the basement, which is just straight out of it. I mean, not, um, not really, but I mean, it just reminded me of like, that's a really important scene in, 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 in explaining what it is. Um, and then the other one is when the boogeyman finally like, grab Sadie and latches onto her it shows him like sucking something out of her face which is kind of a trope but also reminded me of of uh steam from the uh Dr. Sleep movie and like you could say that you know the boogeyman is is um using you know feeding on the shine like that's a whole thing in the in the Stephen King universe is, um, the steam or the shine, the ability, um, and like feeding on the life force of of people, and so you could you could say it's it's kind of a crossover concept. I didn't even. Did you catch that? I I love I love Stephen King and God I loved Doctor Sleep, the book and the the movie. Uh, I didn't even think about yeah that that's a good call out wow yeah yeah dr sleep is probably i mean it's such a disappointment i that it didn't do better than it did like that was one of the best horror movies in the last five years and just no one saw it at all i've kind of forgotten about it like i have seen it and i love it i'm gonna put that in my top five can we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> put, put Doctor Sleep it. in the top five. I'm, it's so good. It, yeah, it kick out, good. kick out Midsummer. <laughs> You've exactly. already got Ari Aster. Sorry, in there. Florence Pugh. <laughs> Doctor Sleep is taking <laughs> effort. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Sleep was so good. We have a whole episode on on that as well. Um, but man, like between between the book and the movie, like I just really. Who was it that did the? Oh, it was uh, Mike Flanagan that did Doctor Sleep. That's right. I think that's why. I and just it. the fact that he like seamlessly integrated the inconsistencies between the book Shining and the movie Shining just perfectly, <sighs> you know, because the Doctor Sleep book was a sequel to the Shining book, and the Doctor Sleep movie was had to be a sequel to the Shining movie, which is had a completely different ending. Um. But yeah, I mean the in the Stephen King universe, like the shine or or the steam is is like a really important part. So I I like that they kind of integrated a little bit of a concept from that. Totally. 
Um, what what other scenes stood out for you, Jordan? Was there anything that you particularly liked or or worked for you? I think the moment that um, Sophie, Sophie, I I hate when they use alliteration for the kids' names because then I no Sadie, the oldest. Uh huh. Um, Sadie. And yeah. and the actress. No, she's played Sophie. by Sophie Thatcher. Oh, too much um but when sadie kind of figures out that it's real and she finally believes her little sister um i think she she's spoiler she's dreaming um but she sees the Mm -hmm. little sister in the dream and she's kind of like pestering her and following her around and go she goes to the room and is like i need my space and she slams the door and then the door just comes down on her like it, Mm -hmm. it it's the boogeyman like breaking down the right. door and um i don't know if she was dreaming or if the boogeyman can influence dreams or like what that was all about but then if i remember correctly that's when she was finally like okay i believe you yeah um, yeah i i loved the way that film that scene was shot um that was probably my biggest jump scare in the whole movie um and it was just like oh shit this thing's serious <laughs> And it's funny because she woke up and it's like, oh, thank God it was a dream. But it scared her. It scared her big time. And that's when she kind of was like, okay, yes. Yeah, there's a couple of good fake outs um, in the movie. One was like when she saw blood running underneath a door and it turned out to be paint. And then the other one was the, the dream where the boogeyman like starts just going into her throat. Oh, <laughs> it's always, and then she wakes up. Um also that's that's pretty disturbing the i gotta say like one of my beefs with the movie too is like the first appearance of the boogeyman with sawyer was it literally just (laughs) crushes through the door like a swat team and then scurries underneath her bed and i'm like what 10 year old would not be screaming bloody murder and terror and running out of the room when that happened like it just didn't didn't make any sense for me so (laughs) i'm like i definitely thought that too that she was super calm and the more i thought about it like they had established that little sister sawyer uh had this fear of the boogeyman and it looked you know she had all the lights and stuff and it looks like her family was accustomed to her being scared. So maybe she's kind of sensi- like desensitized to her mind playing games. And maybe she doesn't trust herself, whether it was real or not. I don't know. Uh, but that's why I was yeah. like, let it pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, you got to like have a suspension of disbelief in it. But I mean, it was a strong choice. The door slams open like not like creaking open and this is pretty early on in the movie too and you know just definitely like loud scurrying underneath the bed it's like all right well i guess you're gonna you know <laughs> not slow roll this at all like it's gonna be definitely a monster under the bed um so there's a couple moments like that and then like sometimes it, it kind of breaks its own rules like eventually you know, because it says, like, it's afraid of the light. Just stay in the light and you'll be fine. And Sawyer is playing PlayStation on the couch with, like, a really bright, you know, giant TV. And uh, apparently that didn't save save her because the boogeyman jumps out at her. <laughs> like, 
on the couch, even though she's in the light. So whatever. Um, and the other inconsistency that I saw was, okay, so they, they set up the, um, the Billings, sorry. Yeah. The Billings widow as like using Sadie as bait and setting up like these shotgun shell traps for the boogeyman, um, doesn't work at all. Like it's obvious that the boogeyman can't be killed with a gun. And then two scenes later, Sadie's like, I saw it bleed. Maybe we can hurt it. And she takes a hockey stick. And I'm like, you know, I'm not an expert, but in general, if a gun doesn't work, a hockey stick probably is not going to. No. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, that was that was tough. I. <laughs> it's like, why not get out of the house? I don't know. I guess it could, <laughs> it could leave the house, but they're all just there. Like that. That's the part that drives me crazy about these. Like just. But I guess the boogeyman can follow wherever. I mean, it followed Lester to to their house. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, super frustrating. Happy about the fire. But I also... Yeah. Or, I'm you big... know, you could just turn on a light. Just turn on the lights. <laughs> just turn on the damn lights. <laughs> I was just also a little... Get a bunch of flashlights. I was also a little confused by, like... Okay, so she smokes her mom's weed with her all her gal friends, and then suddenly she's like coughing up little sister's tooth. And I, cool concept, but also like very supernatural. Like how how? <laughs> so right that those are, yeah, it's, those it's, are it's, things that are hard to swallow. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where it's like. Don't think about it. It's scary. <laughs> you know, don't think about it too hard. The ending was pretty good. Like I'll, I'll give it to it. Like the ending was good. They end up burning the, the boogeyman to death. Um, and, and then just like capping it off, um, in the end. And just, I realized like, Oh, okay. I, I connected the dots with it of like, of the metaphor of the movie, which is like Will is not able to confront um, the trauma of his wife dying and not able to address the fears and the, and the trauma in his daughters. And it's just making things worse. And it's, it's that fear and trauma is a stand in for like the physical danger and fear of the boogeyman where it's like, yeah, it's the it's the fear of the unknown, of the unseen and the unaddressed. And in the end, we see Will, um, you know, communicating with his daughters and like actually talking about his wife and and processing um, that trauma. And you realize like, oh, OK, so this is it, it kind of comes full circle and you're like, yeah, you got to bring these things into the light to conquer them. And, uh, I really like that. Like that got a full extra point from me. I was like, okay, I see you Rob Savage. I see what you're doing here. That's pretty good. Um, I wish they would have used that more throughout 
the film. They did they did kind of the the bare minimum and and used it as like kind of the setup. And I, I wish they would have explored that a little more personally. For sure. Um, yeah. Any film that's like encouraging therapy and talking about your trauma <laughs> and feelings, I'm like, yes, ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. It's strange. Like now that I think of it, like this is the second movie. Is it of this year? Did Smile come out this year? When did Smile come out? 2022. Okay, so it came out last year. So probably within the last year. This is the second movie that was based around psychiatry <laughs> or psychologists. Um, I like Smile a lot better. Did you like Smile? I did like Smile. And honestly, I was kind of wondering, like, was Smile kind of inspired by this short story, Boogeyman short story? Because, like, when I was reading that and they talked about Lester, like, would stop and smile real big. And it's like, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Smile when I was reading the short story um, so much. And it, so I, I kind of wonder. They're very similar. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see, I, I remember reading the short story and didn't to interpret the smile as, like, nefarious necessarily but more of like an indicator of an internal thought that he didn't want to betray kind of thing um where it was again like lester was kind of a, a piece of shit in the in the short and just was not very feeling or caring about his kids apparently and so a little bit of that was like was like smiling about like his kids being kind of terrified, which is like, okay, you know, it's not, <laughs> not a good sign. Um, yeah. Smile, I, I think was, was based off of a, a short film that was like basically the same. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, very similar setting was the, the smile short film was based entirely in the psychiatrist office. Um, so yeah, it might, it might've been like, a ripoff <laughs> no no i'm not saying that but uh i don't know i haven't seen the the short of the smile um but just reading that story not not even seeing the trailer for boogeyman or or any of the adaptations that have been made i was thinking of the smile so i don't know yeah it's just funny um any other scenes that jumped out at you or any other observations that you found watching it? Mm. I mean, you gave it a real high score. What was it what was it that really worked for you? I mean, the like I guess I guess about Sadie, what worked about you with like Sadie's perspective and story? I think just the fact that she's a teen and going through it. And that was something that really resonated with me, especially as a mom of a kid who has experienced a ton of bullying in this last year. Um, and seeing the, the hurt that others can cause. Um, so it just really resonated. Like I felt for her. And also I'm a huge fan of yellow jackets. Have you watched yellow jackets? I haven't. I don't um, even know what it's about. Well, I, I, I kind of conflate it with Yellow Jackets, and then there's the 
wasn't there um wasn't there another bee related thing on Amazon? I oh, can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was bee related, but there was something about a girls on an island. I forgot what it swarm. was. Swarm. That's what it was. Oh, no. No, there I'm, I'm thinking of a swarm. Um Yeah, I she's anyway, my point about yellow jackets is it's good to see just I I I think she's a breakout actress and she's she's so good and I feel like so many times I watch a scary movie and um oh, what's her name Ortega like I just watched Scream the most recent Scream and I was like man this gal's getting a lot of like praise and I just don't see it I do not see <laughs> this is good acting um and so to see Sophie as as a kid struggling like I could feel that from her I I cried in the movie like when she was being bullied by her friends friends um more than once um it just I was so happy when she slapped that that bitch in in the uh, office that was the most like that was the best it was so hard not to just celebrate but overall I think I think I appreciate it the most because they took a short story that has, like you said, been done a million times and they just made it a little more nuanced. Like grief is something we all deal with at some point in our lives. Um, and to see like a monster just kind of capitalizing off of that or like feeding on it and then seeing this family come together, start communicating, going to therapy and, you know, beating the monster. Um, it was just really gratifying for me. Like I, I felt good leaving that movie. Um, we didn't talk about the very last thing though, it, similar to the short story where they're leaving the, the therapist's office. And then suddenly she, uh, she hears the Sadie hears the therapist call her back in and she goes in the closet is cracked and then the therapist comes in from another corner so it was a nice little yeah I thought I thought the they were gonna do the the short story ending which was probably the coolest part of the short story which Dude. is like the boogeyman is there yeah the boogeyman calls calls Lester back in the voice of the therapist and then he sees the boogeyman like holding i think it says the mask of the therapist it's it's so, like the suit the wasn't it like skin suit or something or right uh, it, it was bizarre and i my mind's like what the fuck um yeah i was i was watching the movie and i'm like the tone is just not set up to be able to do that like it's it's very much going to be a hopeful ending and so when it started to do that, I was like, oh, like this, this could be pretty interesting. And they, they kind of just missed opportunity, just suggest that like, oh, the boogeyman's still there, but they don't like, it's not a, you know, terrifying or like dreadful ending where the psychologist is actually murdered by the boogeyman, but it is definitely a callback to the short story. Oh, for sure. And as... <laughs> As the kind of person I am, like, 
I liked the ending. I'm glad it was left on a hopeful note. And Bryce, I think you'll you'll know what I mean there. Like I'm just a very like, oh yes, everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's good. Um, but as a horror <laughs> fan, like definitely a missed opportunity. They could have they right. could have left me uh, feeling a little more emotionally impacted leaving that theater if they would have you know had the therapist skin suit yeah. on the floor. So. Right, but. Overall, I just thought it was great. I really did. Um, I am also, like, looking forward to watching it with my kid. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so that's one reason I was kind of appreciative is PG-13. Because I think it's something that a lot of kids will identify with. Um, but may not necessarily have parents that are okay with them watching a rated R film. Uh, can't relate. <laughs> What's <Right>. that? <laughs> um, so... That's another part that just kind of makes me happy that there is accessibility here for younger generations to be able to watch this and probably identify with it pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's that that is a really good observation to make that, like, I didn't even think about the rating. Um, it, it's a really good for a PG-13 um, or a movie like there's there's few that like i'd recommend or that aren't like kind of ruined by the rating um but this goes it uses the full extent of that pg-13 rating and would definitely be a good entry um for for young horror viewers um it's so weird like talking to some of our fans like we have people that were introduced to the exorcist at age six. I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with these parents? Like how, how can you do that to your kids? Like my, my son is like terrified of cartoons that have a heightened emotion, you know, in it for a brief moment. I'm like showing the exorcist to my kid. That's like eight right now would be, the mo like he would he would go catatonic for the rest of his life i feel and then some people are just like oh yeah i saw you know um i saw faces of death when i was two and i really liked it so i started getting into horror movies you know it's like poof. so yeah these pg-13 movies where it's like these are a little safer a little less traumatic a little less hard um this one like drag me to hell was pretty great too I think we had a list of like PG thirteen horror movies that were really good, but it's it's pretty uh pretty sparse on the good ones. So I, yeah, I'd I'd recommend this. I had low hopes going into it, honestly. Uh, so seeing the rating, knowing it was an adaptation from one of my favorite authors, knowing the short story, not knowing how they were going to make a full film out of it, like I thought mm-hmm. it was going to bomb. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. So um. Yeah, it was it was worth the money, definitely. Yeah. So who who uh final recommendations, who do you think would like this? Um I think that's among t- horror fans. Like what who would you say like if you like this, you'd you'd like the boogeyman? Mm, I kinda think Carrie. Fans of Carrie would probably like this. Um hmm. you know, having that coming of age piece and not having a parent who's supportive or just feeling a little bit like an outsider. I think folks that really like Carrie are probably really going to like this because there's a lot of those Mm -hmm. 
uh, same identifiers. Like, you feel for that main character. You feel for Sadie, <laughs> Sophie Thatcher's character, um, the same way that you kind of uh -huh. feel for for, uh, for Carrie. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, like, um, this is definitely along the lines of, like, the Conjuring movies. Like, very good, like, kind of entry-level general audience movies. So, like we, like we said before, something good that you could watch with your kids. Um, yeah, those, those, those types like that, that like the, the family based horror, um, um, you know, if you've seen everything, it'll be kind of a repeat of a lot of things that you've seen, but it's not, it's not a terrible movie. It's, it's a, you know, a five out of 10 for me is not a bad movie. It's just, it gives you what you expect and yeah. nothing more, nothing less, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily that. an indictment. I so, also think, um, um, I also think I said this earlier, it kind of reminded me of, of the Babadook a little bit because, uh, just like seeing right. the parents struggle with their kids and not really believing them and having this monster, literal boogeyman. Um, it, I was also feeling like, especially the drawing was very similar to me. Like I was getting right. Babadook vibes a couple of times throughout the movie. So I think if you like that one too, this is another one you might check out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is pretty similar to the Babadook. Um, less annoying kids. Yes. Like you, you don't want to strangle the kids as much as you do in the Babadook, but um, in terms of like trauma and overcoming death like yeah it's pretty similar themes i was impressed with the younger one sawyer um i thought she did a good job too with her acting like there was one scene where um it was the one you described where she's like under the covers and then sophie comes in and sits on the bed and is talking to her um uh, and it was like hey are you okay or whatever and then she says um yeah, just trying not to get killed. Like, I liked her personality a lot. Um, right. It yeah. was not like a typical little kid. She reminded me of my youngest, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think other than Lester, the guy that played Lester Billings, um, he was, like, I was looking at the IMDb for, for these people. I don't recognize anyone other than Lester Billings was the polka dot man in, in Suicide Squad. And has been he's kind of recognized he's got a very distinct face and so you can you've seen him before but he was most recently you know starring in Suicide Squad and and then um, the the girl that played Sawyer Vivian Lyra Blair was like she looks familiar for being so young um, and I realized like oh she played the young Princess Leia in the Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus. That's where she was from. Um, I think she did a lot better in this one. <laughs> it was better material, actually, in, in this movie than, than the Obi-Wan series. But that's a separate that's the thing. And she, I guess she was also in Bird Box playing Girl. Oh, yeah, so, that's where I recognize uh, Not a lot from. of credits, but she did really well. Yeah. I was impressed. I, again. Okay, well. You're good. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to. I was just going to hype up this movie some more, but yeah, I've said, I, I, I don't have anything else original to say, but I loved the film. All right. 
Well, good. No, it's it's good to that you're excited by it. Um, like I will say, like I saw it in ideal conditions. I wasn't tired. I wasn't falling asleep. I saw it in the middle of the day yesterday, and I was still like, eh, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, so do with that information what you will. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this episode is produced by me and edited by Fart Simpson. Thanks, Fart, for uh helping us out. Thanks to all of our patrons. I should probably mention our patrons. Hold on. Do we have any new ones? We'll just thank some recent patrons here. Uh, Beatrice and Amanda M and Darren P. Uh, thanks for joining us on our journey. Um, if you like the show, please share it with a friend. That really helps us out. Um, if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, you can click through on our website, horrormovietalk.com, and you'll and give us a little taste of whatever you spend on Amazon. Uh, thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us. Uh, we'll have you back again sometime. Uh, hope it wasn't too traumatic for you to uh, come on the show. This was great. Um, thank you for having me. <laughs> Seriously, I really appreciate it. This is my first podcast, so um, hopefully, hopefully the fans don't like say I have a shitty voice and not to have me back. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They'll they'll definitely say that. Uh, <laughs> no, listen. You know, keep listening. I'm sure. Yeah, if you want to give some feedback, call six eight two two five three four four six eight and tell Jordan how shitty of a voice she has, and uh, we might play your your messages on a later episode and traumatize Jordan at a later date. Um, thanks again so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Wow, that didn't sound good.